Welcome to the Loving Your Husband Before You Even Have One podcast. My name's Kim, and I'm here with my co-host, Adrian, and we're so glad you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We are going to be talking about choices that you can make as a single woman before you even have a husband that will help you flourish in your single years and increase your odds for a better marriage later. Adrian, tell us about our topic today. Have you ever asked yourself questions like, why am I here? Or do I even matter? Is this all there is to life? Our topic today is going to answer some of those questions. I'm really, really excited for our guest, Tanya. She's someone that has definitely lived a life um, that is a story worth telling. Yes, yes, because she demonstrates very well in her life. Once you begin to discover the secret treasure to life, you will experience meaning and fulfillment, regardless if you're married or single. is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I met Tanya when she was a college student and she's 40 now. So we've tracked a lot together and we've made a few memories together too. She has a tremendous heart for God and for helping other women grow spiritually. And I'm pretty sure she is single-handedly changing the world one woman at a time. She's worked over a decade in campus ministry and she has her master's from Dallas Theological Seminary. She is now the Director of Missions and Director of Women's Ministry at a large church in the OKC area. Tanya, welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. I can't wait for our crowd to get to know you um, a little bit better too. So I have some very serious questions I need to ask you. Oh boy. (laughs) Tanya, what is your favorite nail color? Okay. Um, there's no real name for it. I do dip manicure. And so those, you know, have numbers, not names, but I call it Kardashian nude, like, you know, the nude spectrum. And so I go for the darker end of the nude spectrum. Okay. Good to know. I know. I love that color. I'm like, I wish I could get that on my fingernails right now. Okay. So it's your day off. What are you choosing to do? Day off. I just kind of like days where I'm not looking at my watch and and not in a hurry. So I can just be. And um, so I'm not going to have an alarm set. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to CrossFit. I'm going to hang out with friends. I'm just going to flit around. And if there's a garage sale, I'm going to stop there and I'll have friends over. We'll eat. No one's keeping track of time. So it's just one long moment, you know? I feel like you just described yourself in the past, you know, 10 seconds. I was like, that is the best definition of Tanya ever. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, Tanya, it is just such a joy to have you on the podcast. And we have a big topic to talk about today, purpose in life. So what exactly, how would you describe it to our listeners? How would you describe purpose in life? Um, so purpose in life for me, my purpose is to know God and to help others know him. And that's not unique to me. I think that's, um, all believers, um, are called to know God and to help others know him. Now, obviously that plays out in a thousand different ways and a thousand different roles and a thousand different seasons and positions and whatnot. Um, but it's important for me, at least it's been important to have a purpose that kind of supersedes all those different seasons and roles and titles and, um, positions that, that I might have. 
why is it important for a young woman to have a life purpose? I mean, how has it helped you in your single years? Well, I think the big question that everyone in the world is wondering as they're falling asleep every night is what, why do I matter? Or do I matter? Or what's my purpose? Why am I here? Um, and so one of the biggest perks of being a Christian is that there's a clear answer for that, um, that we are on purpose. Um, God has us here on purpose each day that we are here and that we have, we do matter and that we, um, we have a purpose on this earth. And so I think it's important for me to know it helps me make like big picture decisions in my life, but also kind of hour by hour decisions in my life. Um, it helps me know where to spend my resources, like my time. Where do I spend my time when I'm creating a schedule for the week or when I'm creating, um, I mean, even my budget and things like that, that I'm filtering it through that as my end goal is how do I, how do, can I know God better? And how can I purposely help others know God better? That solves like a thousand questions I have every day, every week, every year of my life. And so that's been helpful. I don't know if we want to go here yet, but um, it has made dating a little bit more tricky in some ways because my purpose is often not the same as um, even like a normal Christian guy. And so, but the normal Christian life, and by normal Christian, I mean like, like a lukewarm Christian life. I just, when I'm dating guys that don't have a purpose to intentionally know God better and to help others know him, then I'm trying to visualize my life with this dude. And all I'm thinking about is you wake up, you go to your job, you come home, you clean house, you, we have dinner, we watch a couple of shows on Netflix, and then we repeat. And that sounds miserably boring to me. And so to like <clears throat> trade my life and my purpose and for that seems dull. Um, and so even if they're like, you know, a six to an eight on the looks department, but they're like a two to a three on purpose driven life, um, knowing God and helping others know him, then it just, I, I lose steam there. Mm, yeah. That's good. Well, I remember experiencing that as a single woman too. You know, it's like, sometimes I've found, my, I found myself kind of getting mad at God. It's like, I don't want a purpose anymore. You know, I just want to be able to get married to a cute guy and go to church and have cute kids. And, but I'm thankful that in my younger years, God gave me a taste of what it meant to really follow him in faith and take steps of faith and to actually be a part of helping other people come to know God in a personal way and help them grow spiritually. It's like once you taste that and experience and see God use you in someone else's life, it's real hard to go back and just ignore that. And uh, and I know it brought a lot of meaning and purpose in my single life. And I wasn't ready to just give that up for just anybody who came along. And speaking as a married woman, it has really brought a lot of depth into our marriage. I mean, it took me a long time to get married and to find someone that we kind of sh find someone I shared a purpose with. But Sean and I, our marriage is more than just about ourselves. It's about we're we're a team um, in this purpose together of 
knowing God and helping other people know about God too. And it just, it's transforming. I mean, Adrian, could you speak into that too? I mean, tell us about the process about how you kind of determined your life purpose and what, what it is. Yeah, my life purpose was basically centered around the two big commandments. The first commandment, love God, and then the second one, which is just as important to love others. And what does that true love look like? It looks like completely dying to yourself and your desires and building that other person up. That is true love. And if I know Christ's love for me, then I want other people to know Christ's love as well. So that is the way I'm going to love them. I'm going to be pointing them to God. And then second with that is I want to work at whatever I do with all my heart as if I'm working for the Lord and not for man. And that's Colossians 3, 23. So whether I'm, you know, a mom or whether I am working in finance or whether I'm I am scrubbing toilets. It's like, I am going to work for the Lord in this work. And it is important because it is the Lord's work. So that is my life purpose. And you were living out your life purpose as a single woman when you and Dave met and got married. Can you speak a little bit into that, how that's helped you? One thing for us that was really convenient is we both worked for the same ministry. You know, we met at work. And so, yes, we had this same life purpose, but we were also in the same job. And so that made it was a little bit less of a barrier for us in the types of conversations we were having around life purpose. But I have a ton of friends that don't have that benefit of working with someone or aren't in the same ministry or even at the same church. And so that is definitely something that they have to talk about and see if they're on the same page with. And like you said, Tanya, you're um, you might have to say, hey, I think we need to cut this off because the purpose isn't the same and it's not worth it if the purpose isn't the same. Kim, what would you say your life purpose is? Well, you know, I am a wordy and so I like to come up with different little phrases and stuff. And over the years, I've, it's my, my life purpose statement has um, been similar, but I just have tweaked words here and there. But at this stage in my life, my life purpose is to love everybody to help many, but disciple a few. And my goal is to hear Jesus say at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. So I want to find out what's important to him, and then I want to work at it with all my heart. And uh, and so they all, all of our purposes are similar. It's just a little different in wording. But I know that that has been a real driving force in my life, um, helping me make decisions and how I spend my time, money, um, et cetera. So, Tanya, when you think of your life purpose, what verses have really uh, helped you guide you on that? Um, I think of a few verses, Kim, Matthew six thirty three always kind of runs through my mind, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, first Corinthians 10 31 to glorify Christ in all things. Um, and then acts 20, 24 is since college has always rolled around in my mind as well. Um, and so that's, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 
I think of Matthew 28, but Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I just love that. It was right before Jesus ascended into heaven. And so I figured that if I'm going to be faithful, if I want to hear the words, get well done, good and faithful servant, that I need to be busy with the stuff that he's asked me to do before he left. Yeah, especially some of his last words too. Yeah. You know, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. So let's transition and talk specifically about discipleship. What, one, what is even a disciple? I feel like yeah. that's a good word we Tanya, should define. Tanya, tell us. What's a disciple? Okay, what's a disciple? Good question. So when I when my purpose statement is to know God and help others know him, that kind of is a broad umbrella um, to point towards evangelism and discipleship. And so I do want to proclaim the truth of the gospel, but I also want to help people grow towards um, being a mature believer in Christ, a mature Christian. And so um, biblically, discipleship, there's a few things. Um, discipleship, disciple just means a follower or a learner. So if I'm discipling someone, it's someone that's learning from me, but to be a disciple of Christ means to follow or to learn from Christ. And so a few things that Jesus said to his disciples is literal, the people who were literally following him around, um, in John 13, 35, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And so love was it was one of the distinguishing markers of um, who followed Jesus and who were his disciples. And so, uh, okay, another verse, another thing that Jesus said was in Matthew 419, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so he was talking to some fishermen at the time. And basically he was saying, I'm going to help you initiate spiritual growth with other people. If you're following me, if you're, Jesus says, if you're a follower of me, if you're a disciple of mine, then you're going to be fishing for men. Um, and then another one, John, in John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, another version says, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciple, my disciples. And so um, just knowing God's word and being serious about obeying it is, an, is a marker for who is a disciple of Christ. Okay, so now we know what a disciple looks like and what a disciple is. What does it look like to be discipled by somebody? Yeah, like when you talk about you want to help others know God, give us a little glimpse of what that looks like in your life. So that could look like a lot of things. It could look like, um, Kim, I'm praying for you today, and here's a verse that might encourage you in this season of life. It could look like that. Um, what it looked like in the Bible, Paul was kind of our primary person to look at post Jesus. What did it look like to lead people spiritually? And so Paul kind of had a game plan and took personal responsibility for several people in the new Testament, their spiritual growth, um, their evangelism as they came to Christ. And then beyond that, he had a game plan for what that looked like. And he took personal responsibility and it looked differently in different seasons. So sometimes it was more hands-on. Sometimes it was more of an encouragement. Sometimes it was um, reminding them of the truth of the gospel when they were in sin. And so discipleship, a few things that Paul said um, to the people he was discipling, he said in first Corinthians 11, first Corinthians four, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
And so he also said in Philippians 3 to follow my example. He said that to the Philippians. Um, he said, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. He said that to Philippians. And so he wanted people to, to the biblical principles, um, the, the biblical model of Jesus that Paul was trying to emulate. He wanted them to emulate um, as they saw his life. And so for me, it means a couple of things that I'm taking personal responsibility. So it's more than just like a casual word of encouragement. It's more than just reading a book together. It's more than just being in a Bible study together or going to church together. Um, but it's taking personal responsibility that I'm going to help grow this person towards being a fully mature disciple of Christ. So they know to me, that means character. Um, they've grown Character, when I'm discipling someone with character in the, in the realm of character, I'm trying to connect A to B, point A to B, A being God's word and how he defines a mature disciple to B, their life. And so women have discipled me and have pulled verses from scripture and said, how do these principles, how should they apply in this season or scenario or issue or trial in your life? Aside from them, I probably wouldn't have connected that biblical truth with that situation in my life. Um, and so I see that um, discipleship is someone who's going to take responsibility to help you piece those things together for character, but also um, for knowledge. And so that's kind of teaching. That's um, that's I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. How can you follow what is in the Bible if you've never if you don't open your Bible? And so helping them create those spiritual disciplines to self-feed. So I don't want to be discipling you forever and teaching you the Bible for forever. I want to help you learn how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible, how to memorize the Bible. So there's some spiritual disciplines there that I'm going to help you with. Um, so that's not just me or podcast or whoever teaching you for the rest of your life, but it's you can feed yourself um, from the word of God. And so teaching um, knowledge, building character. And the other thing would just be building some skill sets for like spiritual leadership. So how do you share the gospel with someone? How do you lead a Bible study? How do you reproduce as you grow into a spiritually mature Christian? How can you turn around and help someone else do those things? And so people in my life have discipled me and helped me learn those skill sets so that I can be an, effect, an effective disciple maker. Gosh, that is a good definition of what discipleship actually oh, yeah. and practically looks like. And as I'm hearing that, I'm sure many of our listeners are like, I want that in my yeah. life. Like, I want to be discipled. So how how do our listeners find someone to disciple them? Like, what does that process even look like? Do you just walk around to a church lady and go, hey, uh, will you disciple me? Or DM someone on Instagram? Like, what does it look like right now? Well, I've done weirder things to find some people to <laughs> In fact, there was a season in my life that, um, that I, um, knew I needed some, so, someone to disciple me. And, um, I wanted, I thought of Kim Bollendorf. Well, at the time Kim was living like three hours away from me. And so I figured out a way to be able to go see her. I think it was every month or every other month or, or some sort of time. And so she, and she agreed to it. And so I would drive um, three hours both ways. So six hour round trip um, to, so that Kim could meet with me. 
um, for, and that was a season, maybe a year or so, a couple of semesters, or yeah. maybe longer, I can't yeah. but, um, well, so I have done time. crazy things, um, to be discipled by, by women who would be gracious enough to give me their time. Um, and different women are going to have different strengths of the things that I just spelled out. And, um, and so I, I usually, I would recommend they ask for what they want. And so if you say disciple or mentor, that means a thousand different things to a thousand different people. And mm-hmm. so if you kind of give them a framework of what you expect from them or hope from them, or then they can more adequately answer you yes or no, or um, that will help them frame your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could see, you know, like a young woman in our audience who maybe wants to just really learn how to spend time alone with God each day, that maybe she would find someone in her church or start asking around, like, who has a really, you know, strong walk with God? And maybe she would take that woman, you know, if she got a name of someone, maybe invite that woman to lunch and say, hey, I've heard you've got a really strong relationship with God and you've got a you know, really um, consistent devotional life. I'm really wanting to grow in that. Would you be willing to meet with me over the next few months and help me establish that discipline in my life? You know, something like that um, would be really easy. Or, you know... um, yeah, maybe there's an older girl in your sorority, too, that you're just yes. like, I look at her life and she's someone that is consistently reading God's word or, you know, repeats God's word for encouragement. I'm going to go find that girl and say, hey, I want to do what you do. Will you teach me um, how to read and understand and memorize the Bible? Yeah. So you can make, you know, it doesn't have to be this one big, big ginormous thing. It can be like little steps. And I think sometimes discipleship can seem intimidating, but if you just break it down into little components, um, like, you know, if if there's someone in your sorority who is really good about talking about her faith and it's like, you know, you teach me how to bring up spiritual conversations. Could we meet together? Would you just teach me what you know? And I really want to grow in that area. I just think that makes it real practical and real easy, an easy step to take for some young women. And I, I think a premise to what a lot of you just said was that it was someone in your church. Well, that assumes that you're involved in your church and you're rubbing shoulders with women in other generations. And so that's, that's not going to be possible for you unless you're involved in a church and, you know, someone in their twenties and someone in your thirties and someone in your forties and someone in your eighties. And so I've had women of all generations um, invest in me in different ways over, over several different seasons of my life. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, you mentioned me, and that's my claim to fame, you know, that I got to meet with Tanya Zuniga. But what about some other women? Can you mention um, kind of what that looked like for you? Yeah, well, I, I can start back um, when I was just a baby. Um, my parents had just moved into a small town in Oklahoma, and um, there was a family doctor. There was like one doctor in town. It was so small. And his wife had been discipled in college or in med school. And they knocked on my parents' door and they invited them to church. They invited them over to their house. They invited them to do a Bible study with some young married couples. And they had kids about the same age as my brother and I. And so they taught my parents how to read their Bible. They taught my parents how to pray. They taught my parents what the Bible said about marriage and about finances. And they got them involved in a church and um, they grew them into maturity, into spiritual maturity. 
And so that notion of discipleship was lived out from truly since I was an infant. That was what was normal is that Ted and Judy Webb loved my parents and grew them up in their faith. And so I always kind of had an eye for that because my parents tried to um, duplicate that in their own lives. And so we would have people over to our home, people in our community. We have like a Christmas party for all the people. And I lived in this weird town and there was all sorts of weird people and they were in our home and my parents were engaging them with the gospel and with spiritual opportunities. And so um, I... So there were other women, like in college, I reached out to a lady named Dana and she was helpful. She taught me um, scripture about the tongue, about my speech. That was helpful that I still remember. Um, she also was real good at keeping me accountable with scripture memory. And so we would walk her dog and pray and we would review our verses and our new verses. And um, so she's probably, she's mom of four and probably in her forties uh, about that time, maybe fifties. Um, there is a lady named Trish, a lady named Mindy. Um, there was Kim, obviously. I remember we talked a lot, Kim, during that season about prayer. That was kind of a season that I grew a lot in prayer. Um, and so there've been a lot of women, uh, a lady named Carla right now that I'm learning a lot from, uh, ministry wise, and, uh, will speak a lot of truth to me. And even if it's a little hurtful or painful, not hurtful, but, um, she, she loves me enough that I know she wants the best for me. She's on my team. And so mm -hmm. she's been helpful in this last season. Adrian, um, have you had some women invest in you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say I had the story that Tanya has about, you know, <laughs> the neighbors knocking on the door and winning their parents to faith and helping them mature as believers. But when I was in college, I had a girl knock on my dorm room uh, door and her name was Krista Flowers and she shared the gospel with me. And there's another girl named Christine that helped me grow spiritually that summer. She was teaching me actually how to read God's word, how to study it, what prayer life looks like. And I remember she partnered with me and some other sorority sisters and taught us how to share our faith in the sorority. And so I'm so grateful for those women. And, you know, the stack has just continued to grow as I, you know, move cities. I lived in Fort Worth and in Fort Collins, Colorado, and now in Phoenix. And so I'm always constantly looking for new women um, to pour into me. And Kim, you've been a great person to pour into me in this season I've of my life. I've learned a lot from you too. So yeah, I'm like, I've got a list of women and I'll probably have a lot more women to add um, by the time I die. Tanya, is there anything else that you would want to share about life purpose and living out your life purpose as a disciple of Christ and helping other people grow in their faith? So I think the notion of discipleship, like when we get to heaven, that your LinkedIn will be meaningless. Okay. So the, you're everyone, if you're in college, you have your professors telling you about internships, you have your parents wanting you to whatever, um, your friends are all kind of climbing different ladders and stuff, but your LinkedIn truly will, it'll be deleted in heaven, but what will matter and what will echo for eternity is the spiritual investment that you give to other people. So helping people know Christ, helping people grow towards spiritual maturity, truly that will be all that matters. And yourself, if you've grown to spiritual maturity, the, how you know God, that's the only, um, what's the word money? That's not capital. That's the only currency in the currency. So when you get to heaven, that's the only currency that there will be is um, your 
knowledge and honor of God in this life that we're in right now, but also how you've helped other people know and honor God with their own lives. And so for me, um, that purpose supersedes, like I said, every season, every role, every position, but it's also given me the deepest joy. So another perk of following Christ you, one we do, that we talked about is there's a, a specific purpose that we're here for, that everyone longs for. But two, there's a joy and a hope there that we have that's different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world is desperately seeking hope and joy. Um, when, when Jesus saw the crowds, it said in Matthew 9, it says that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he felt compassion on them. And he said, so his, his boys were with him, his disciples were with him and he's turned to them and he didn't say, go fix it. Everyone let's get busy. Let's do work. He turned to him and he said, um, ask the Lord for more workers, for more laborers. And what he meant by that is people who would go initiate spiritual conversations and help people know the joy that is found in Christ. And so the, the solution to the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of the world is more laborers. And by labor, I mean fully mature follower of Christ and someone that with the skill sets and the whatever. So we want what's interesting about your purpose statement, Kim, is you want to help many, but you want to disciple a few. So the real win is releasing fully mature Christians into the world to reproduce that. And so in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul is saying to Timothy, a guy he had discipled to, um, he didn't say, go start a podcast, go write a book, go get a bunch of followers on Instagram and then post on your story a verse a day. That wasn't his method. His method was um, go teach this to faithful men who will do the same thing. And so God could use any mode or instrument he wanted to, to bring the gospel to people, but he chooses to use idiots like myself and <laughs> you guys and just people that are broken and silly and make dumb mistakes and are imperfect. Um, he's chosen to, to use us, thankfully. I mean, that's beautiful that he would choose to use us. And so when he does that, we have this joy, we can have this divine joy with shared with the Lord of having a life that counts, that's purposeful, that doesn't, it's not on our, no metrics on this earth could um, get us to that joy. So no like Instagram followers or um, accolades in your profession um, or dates you're on or how big your wedding is or anything like that. That's, that's not it. That ain't it. And so he's allowed us to be part of his work, which is it. That is wow. it. So, um, so yeah, so he tells Timothy just to reproduce this in one or two people and that's doable for us. Like I can't be this, you know, world-class speaker and author and whatever. And, but um, luckily I can still, be a part of the biggest thing that's happening on this earth. You know, I'm so glad you shared that, Tanya. I, um, you know, because if we think about writing a book or doing a podcast or whatever, I mean, those things, when it comes down to it, they're not going to matter. It matters 
um, investing in people individually. And that's where the significant life change happens. And I think that's a great little segue into what I wanted to share next with our listeners, because you know, you've heard Tanya's purpose that she wants to know God and she wants to help others know God. And we've talked about discipleship and what that looks like. I would like to give you a little glimpse into the impact that Tanya's life purpose has played out. And I want to share just a line of what we call her spiritual tree. So the, um, the, the family that invested in your family kind of started this chain and invested in your parents, and then they invested in you. But then you turned around, and God used you to impact a young woman named Ashley. And then Ashley turned around and uh, had spiritual conversations and helped a girl named Kim grow spiritually. And then Kim turned around over time and began spiritual conversations with Kinsey and helped her grow spiritually. Then Kinsey turned around and helped Ashton. And then Ashton turned around and discipled Lydian. And then Lydian turned around and discipled Amy. And then Amy turned around and discipled Amanda. And then Amanda discipled Caselyn. And then Caselyn um, discipled Grace. So that is just one Lineage. So, what does this make you? Like a spiritual quadruple great 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 grandma, and that's just one. I mean, Ashley just one. I mean, you have led hundreds of women to Christ, and you've helped them grow spiritually. A lot of the young women are overseas. Jessica, Brandy, Erin, Crystal. Several are in full-time ministry, or even if they were just for a season, and several are just normal, everyday people who are working women, wives, and moms. And I can't wait to get to heaven. I mean, Adrian, I joke with Tanya about when I get to heaven, I hope I'm just close to her neighborhood, because I have a feeling her mansion is just going to be so <laughs> big, because you just stepped out in faith and had spiritual conversations and helped young women grow spiritually, and God has multiplied it to such an extent that's just amazing. And I want to reiterate this because it's so important, but Tanya wasn't someone who just had a podcast and led, you know, hundreds of people to faith from, you know, one message. She was someone who just literally went door to door, face to face, coffee to coffee with multiple women across her whole life and invested in them and taught them God's word. And that is how these people's lives were changed was through yes. God from Tanya's just faithful ob obedience to meet with them face to face. And so if that doesn't encourage you that you could make a difference in this world and help win others um, to Christ, I, I don't mean, know what will. <laughs> I'm ready to go out and meet somebody on the street. <laughs> hey, um, talk about Christ. Okay. So now that we're all excited about being a part of God's big purpose and plugging into that, what would be some steps that we can take to embrace God's purpose in our lives. Tanya, can you offer just maybe a maybe a couple of steps? I mean, just to kind of, you know, it's kind of intimidating, it's kind of scary, it's exciting, but we want to be a part of that. What would be a next step? 
So I think you need to get some training um, and you need to be consistent in your own walk with the Lord. And so, but I will tell you that when I'm actively engaged in other people's spiritual growth, then I myself am usually a little more engaged with my own person, my own spiritual walk with the Lord as well. I need it, but I'm also just thinking about it a little bit more. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think you need to take care of yourself and grow in, um, you know, prayer and the word, knowing God's word, um, in having some fellowship, having some good, uh, Christian accountability around you, um, via the church and, um, other groups like that. And then, um, also you need to know how to share your faith and how to navigate those conversations to, to share the gospel with people. And so, um, we always joke about, uh, discipleship, not recycleship. And so the goal here isn't just to find another Christian and be like, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Oh my gosh, let's read a book together and, um, and just read some book or whatever. You need to have a purpose and a goal, but also you need to, this needs to come from the lost world if possible. And so not all my discipleship relationships have looked like that, but I try to, I try to make them come from, um, gospel conversations and girls that come to Christ. So anyway, you need to learn those skill sets too, how to lead people to Christ and not just stay in an insulated Christian bubble all the time. And so, um, I think there's some books that I've read that have really helped me. And so as far as like having a game plan for where I'm going with, um, a discipleship plan with a certain girl, there's this little chart in the very back of a book called personal disciple making. And we can link that in the show notes. Yes. Personal disciple making. And it's a little outdated, um, but it, it gives you a good place to start. As good far framework. As some like objective um, benchmarks in helping grow someone to spiritual maturity. So as far as growing into a disciple, Disciples Are Made Not Born is a, another great book. Um, it'll help you grow towards a disciple and kind of understand, have a clear picture for what that looks like. That's kind of a vague thing to say, you know, like a strong Christian or a mature disciple, but this kind of helps you get a clear vision for it. And then, um, also kind of helps you gain some biblical principles for what it looks like to make disciples, uh, master plan of evangelism is good. And lost art of disciple making is another good one. So those are four kind of classic books on, on making disciples. That's good. Well, before we close, I just want to give a quote. I talked with, um, one of the girls that Tanya invested in, and I just asked her, you know, I told her we were doing this podcast and this is what she said. She said, Tanya invested herself into my life when I was in college, and it changed me. She taught me how to give my life away and live for a greater purpose than myself. I always say that Tanya gave me the secret treasure to life, helping others fall in love with Jesus, and I wouldn't be the woman I am today without Tanya. And so, Tanya, thanks for being faithful in knowing God and helping other women come to know Him. And uh, I'm just glad we're friends. I appreciate how you spur us all on toward love and good deeds. And so thank you for taking time to be with us today. And <clears throat> we'll have the notes in the show, the show notes 
<laughs> whatever. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for being with us. And Logan, thank you so much for putting this together. And to our listeners, I hope you've been really encouraged today to, to really plug into God's big purpose, to live for something more than yourself. And uh, it's a joyful, meaningful way to live. And uh, we hope you'll join us again next week because we still have a lot to talk about. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.